Hi, this is Kaneke and Alina, your personal supporters that are here to help you feel truly special. We are on a mission to help you understand your dynamic nature and appreciate your unique talents. By helping you balance your yin and yang energies within, we can foster healing in our global community, one woman at a time. If you want to explore the opportunity to work with us individually, please shoot us an email at herlifecompass at gmail.com. That is H-E-R-L-I-F-E-C-O-M-P-A-S-S at gmail.com. Hello, everybody. This is Kaneke speaking. And today we have another interview with a guest speaker. I would like to introduce you to a beautiful person, Iman, who joined me today and share her story of how she finds her purpose in life. Iman, welcome to our podcast. Maybe you can introduce yourself and tell us a bit more about yourself. Thanks so much. So happy to be here. I'll tell you a little bit more about myself. My name is Iman. My pronouns are she, her. Right now, I'm based in my home, Toronto, Ontario with family and roots close by in London, Ontario. Right now, I'm a communications consultant in Toronto. So I work in the consulting world in a small little field called public engagement. I basically go across the country talking to people about the issues that matter the most to them. So I love doing this kind of thing. I love hearing from diverse groups of people about what moves them, what issues affect their lives, the solutions they see for those issues. That comes from my sort of activist roots and community engagement in the not-for-profit world on human rights and diversity and inclusion issues. So these are the things that move me and have been keeping me busy these days. Oh, wow. Look at you. We have so much to talk about now. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, let's start with a bit of um, context why I think you'd be the perfect guest for me to interview you today because recently I've been receiving quite a few requests from our young listeners who are in pursuit of either just starting to study and choosing the right major for themselves or they finished their studying and now they're trying to figure out, okay, what is the job that I want to go for? What is it that I need to look for? And people might say, oh, you know what? IT is really booming. Should I go for IT? Because, you know, that's in demand and that probably will generate me lots of money. Or should I go study medicine? Because it would allow me da 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 da. So maybe we could start off with a bit of understanding how it worked for you, man, before you started studying. And how did you navigate and what were the anchor points for yourself to identify what where you want to focus in terms of your academic pursuit? Yeah, and that's a really big question. And I remember it like it was yesterday, like you're sitting in your classroom or with your guidance counselor and you suddenly have to make a big decision that affects Mm. the rest of your life. What are you going to study? You know, what's your career going to be? Really hard. And I remember for myself, like I just started having conversations with the people that matter most to me in my life, like whether it's my family or, or friends or other coworkers at the time, just to kind of understand where my passion lies. And that's hard. It's easy to say now, okay, I figured out I was passionate about this, but I know really you don't uncover that until you start to talk about it and the people that know you start to ask you questions about what gets you up in the morning, what keeps you engaged if it's been 
such a long day? What are you still interested in doing at the end of the day? It's these kinds of questions. I think it's helpful to ask yourself. That was really my grounding for making the decision. What do I feel I'm passionate about? I know yes. for other folks, there's other decision-making factors too. The things that are important, maybe your career prospects, like what kinds of jobs you want in the future, what kind of salary you want to make, like where in the world you want to live. These are all really important factors. So I think it's just a matter of thinking about which of those are most important to you and doing your pros cons list based on that. But how did you figure yourself? Like what was the passion for you and how did you discover that, yes, this is the passion that I have? I can tell you it's it was hard, like I mentioned, but maybe just for context, I went to school and, and did my BA in political science and social mm -hmm. justice and peace studies, which was not something I knew about when I was applying to universities or colleges. But again, it was through those conversations I heard about a program, Social Justice and Peace. I read more about it online and realized it was something that I was really interested in. Not so much the courses or the modules. It was the specific topics that intrigued me. It was about issues like racism or systemic like sexism, Islamophobia, all of these really big, complicated issues and challenges and the puzzles for finding ways to address them. These are the kinds of things that been important to me as a person, to my family. We've always been really engaged, I think, in political and social issues. It felt like a natural next step for me to, to pick something, a field that was more purpose-driven. But again, that's that's just relevant to me in, in my story. So it was the impact that you wanted to make that what led you forward. A impact, exactly. Yeah. So and, and not to say, of course, you can work in any field and have impact. I think that's, that's the point of having a career. But for me, it was really the focus on that social and political impact and environmental as well. Like that was what was most important. And it just aligned with my value set. It just made sense at that point for me. You said your BA was in political sciences and social justice. I know that yes. you also have your master's degree. I finished undergrad and then I decided to do a master's um, in international affairs or, or global politics. There's a few different ways you can call it. A little different from what I was doing before, but that one, another long decision-making process okay. too. I actually, I took a gap year in between the two just oh, so nice. I could think about what I wanted to do. One year to make a decision. So what helped you to make a decision and then go for the master's? Because I think when you study the bachelor's degree, you're fresh off the school and you're like, oh, should I go for this one and that one? But when you pursue the master's degree, you're more in the mature state where you know what you want to do, what exactly is the driver for you. So maybe you could just share your story of how it evolved for you. An important part of that story is the gap year. And I didn't appreciate how important it was actually until we started talking right now. It was just that pause between finishing that four years of like intense studying in your BA. And then I think some people having to make that decision about what comes next so quickly is like a lot of pressure. We're all still so young. We're still trying to figure out what's going on and what moves us. I decided to kind of release some of that pressure from myself by taking a year off. But I wasn't just like off. I was working. <laughs> I was working in that year. But I will say not having a clear predictable path of going back to school or getting a job, it allowed me to be really creative in some of the initiatives I wanted to be a part of. So I can just give you a, a few quick yeah. examples of what I did. One thing I did is I was a teaching assistant, which I mean, not so glamorous, but it allowed me to stay connected to school and to see school from a different perspective. So mm -hmm. I did that. I also was a special assistant for a municipal counselor in London, Ontario. So I got some of that hands-on political experience in that space. But the coolest thing that I did and that I'm so grateful to have been a part of is I got a grant from the provincial government to host a workshop series for young Muslim women in London, Ontario to talk about racism, misogyny, Islamophobia, and how it impacts 
affects their lives and what they would like to see change in the city of London to make their lives better. That was a really cool kind of grassroots project that I did. It made me realize that I love talking to people about their lives and about what affects their lives and what they would like to see be different, which has helped me to decide the field that I'm in right now. And how did you learn about those opportunities? What did you do to take advantage of those opportunities? Just to share again with our listeners who could be at this stage of their life where they want to make an next step, but they're not sure what to do. And the advice like you gave, you know, you, you took one year off, but it wasn't just a year off laying down on the sofa and, and doing nothing. You've actually embraced yourself and you tried out different experiences, which shaped eventually your decision where you want to go and study further. I totally understand firsthand experience. It's hard, I think, to unlock some of those opportunities or know where to start. Even for me, I wouldn't have known where to start if I didn't have such amazing mentors and coaches in my life. I think if I'm being honest, a lot of these opportunities are gatekept or they're not accessible to a lot of people, whether it be sometimes women, sometimes people of color. Those opportunities aren't just automatically given to you if you don't uh -huh. have the networks or you don't have the access. So that's why for me, it was so important to have mentors in my life. So at that time, it was professors from my undergraduate who I would always just check in with and, and ask if there was any opportunities or I would be engaged in school so they would know and they would bring opportunities to me. So it was professors, some of the community work I was involved in prior. And it was community members or advocates that were leaders of that work and other networks of young Muslim women that were similarly minded and were engaged in their communities and wanted to share opportunities widely. So it was just through personal networks, like friends, honestly, at that point. And of course, we can't dismiss like social media is huge, is a huge, huge resource um, and the best way to connect with people even far away from you instantly. So that's another great kind of information source that I, I would just always tap into. Again, just to reinforce to everybody who's listening, it's the coaches, it's the mentors, it's the opportunity yep. and the importance to network and meet new people. Engage yourself in some volunteering work. Let other people know about your interest, what you are interested in, what you want to do so that the opportunities are then presented to you. If you just sit and do nothing and wait, nothing will come your way. So it is important to go and talk and network and use different tools to reach out to the people. If I could add something, all of those points that you mentioned are super important. It's a good first step as people always say, you know, put yourself out there or just like lean in and which is good advice. But I think that there's a piece missing sometimes that we don't always know how to do that. I was having this conversation recently with a friend that networking is unspoken. People don't really say it, but networking is hard. It's uncomfortable and it's a skill that you have to build. What I have found helpful for myself, I hope that I'm helping other people as well, is I have people that just reach out to me directly and just say, hey, like, can I ask for your perspective on well, I'm looking to apply for X job or I'm interested in participating in this network or this organization. Can you share advice on how to go about it from some of my own friend connections or even my own brother? I, I'm really close to him and I help him with this stuff. Let's talk about like, how you send that outreach email. What's the exact words to use? Even how do you build your LinkedIn? How do you communicate what you're passionate about? It's all of these pieces that I think are hard and these are the barriers because no one talks about them or teaches people. So I would just say be unafraid and asking for support and advice in doing this stuff because everybody has been at the point where we're trying to figure it out. <laughs> You're right. Networking, for some people, it comes naturally. Me personally, I love networking. I love meeting new people. I am so natural that you can put me in a room full of unknown people. And by the end of the day, I would know everybody in the room. But for some people, it comes so uncomfortable and so difficult. Yeah. And hearing your perspective on how to approach it, I think it's a huge value to all of our listeners who are listening to us today. It's a skill like anything else. The more that you practice it and you flex 
that muscle, it, it becomes easier. How did you make a decision around the master's degree? What exactly you want to study in your master's? That was the next step after the gap year. I knew <laughs> really simply, I knew for, my, for myself that I was somebody who liked school. I liked studying, like I'm a bit of a nerd like that. So I knew I was <laughs> well suited for more school. That's not for everybody though. So I think just, you know, being real with yourself, like, are, are you okay sitting down at your desk for eight upward hours just reading and writing? Like, is that something that's okay for you? In the context of a master's, right? There's so many other programs that are that are structured differently. It was just, I think, practically speaking, what would it take to do something like this? That was a big part of the decision. Again, some of the barriers that people don't always talk about is it takes money to do higher education. Realistically, is, is that something that you can do? It's really helpful to have professional networks like professors that can support you. That's another big piece, having that support or having a community of other scholars um, that make it easier to apply and go through the rigorous application process and then stay doing your studies and actually enjoy it. The subject matter, picking that, it, that just comes out from some of those conversations with the people that are important to you for sure. But I think for something like a master's, I would talk to your professors and more than one professor to get broad scope of opinion and they have a good idea of the landscape, you know, what kinds of programs are out there, what you might be best suited for. And then it's just, you do your research, lots of lots of research on what, what the programs entail and apply to more than one. And then you make the decision from there. Once the master's was over, how did you approach landing your first job? What were you looking at? School is great and schools, it gets comfortable. You get into a rhythm. Academia feels like a safe shelter. And then now you have to jump outside of it. Uh. For me, it was particularly hard to because that's when COVID started and was oh, in full no. force. Yeah, so I, I finished my master's in a COVID world. Sadly, I was supposed to go abroad and do an internship, and but none of that happened. And I was in a tricky position of having to do an online internship oh. um, and then try to make a job out of it. <laughs> Oh, that's not the same though. It's not the same. I was I was supposed to go to South Africa and live in South oh. Africa and work. The universe has its plans. What I did instead was I did an internship online, which still gained lots of good experience. I was one of those people, like many of us in the world, that were pushing to make that internship a job. COVID really messed with a lot of organizations and they just weren't ready to receive new hires, I think, mm -hmm. or just weren't ready to pivot to a fully virtual world with new colleagues in other countries. Unfortunately, that didn't pan out. I'll be honest, and this is the, the part that's not so glamorous and people may not want to talk about, but I, I spent after that many few months panic applying to things because I was on school, I have bills to pay, and I'm ready to make the jump. So what I had done was spend a lot of work on my resume, had professional school services for building that, and also had relied on friends, members of folks that I trust to take a look into honestly advised me. Then I just started applying to things. How did you know where to apply for? I know some people mm -hmm. like practically apply to every single job opportunity they see on LinkedIn. Personally, me, when we came to Canada a year ago, I was very specific and very particular and very selective. Okay, where I want to go, what kind of company I want to work for, what kind of job I'm looking for. So I was very, very selective, not applying actively for every single job opportunity. So I would like to hear your thoughts on that. You do have to be strategic or else you realize, I think you burn out quickly and you get frustrated really quickly, especially because applying to jobs is can be an emotional process too, because mm. you know, you're investing so much time and energy in this application. You have your hopes up and it doesn't always materialize. So I think you need to take care of yourself in that process. And that means setting good boundaries around, 
know how much time you're spending on these things and also your own expectations with it. But in terms of where to apply, this is another yes. one of those soul searching moments when you're deciding what program to do in school. It's relevant. It's some conversations I've been having with friends lately that are looking to make a similar jump. It goes back like what I keep saying over and over again to your trusted, reliable network of people who love and care about you and who you can just use as a sounding board for ideas, not to just brainstorm out of the blue, do your research, start with Google, start with LinkedIn, see what other people are doing who you admire or who you see as champions of a particular field, industry, issue, whatever moves you look to those people first, creep their LinkedIn's, read their bios to get inspiration, do your own research based on that, on that short list. And then I would say, take those good ideas to your friends and families and say, hey, this is what I found. This is what interests me. What do you think about this? And have them invite them to ask you those hard questions. Well, okay, so you're passionate about diversity and inclusion, but how does that translate into a job? What kinds of jobs does that Excellent. look like? And then yes. that pushes you to go back and do the research and actually answer their questions, find the concrete things so that you can apply. I believe then it helps during the interviewing process. I was doing a recruitment for a few years in one of my previous jobs. And um, when the candidate responds back with a very meaningful answer relating to the actual work that's being done in the company and linking it to your personal values, I think it's so impactful and it just disarms us. Exactly. And you can tell the difference. It's a win-win situation. You feel good applying, but also the person on the other end of that will realize that this is not just like a generic application that somebody threw in. This is somebody who's done the preparation, who's done the self-reflection, and who then is putting forward a bit more of an intentional application. So yeah, I think helps everybody. It may be uncomfortable. You may feel the pressure or the urge or the rush to get going with this stuff, but sit with yourself. Don't give yourself that bit of grace and patience first, and then that way you can be more intentional down the line. The advice that you gave around the resume that you consciously spend time to build it and make it good and this is something that i've done for the first time when we moved to canada when i started looking for jobs i was like okay i need to invest money into this i reached out to a professional resume builder the person interviewed me we had a couple of conversations and then we start working and he built it in such a professional manner it really reflected who i am but word wise it was so good. I would never be able to put it in the words like that person did. And I think it's worth the investment. Probably it helped me to be noticed. <laughs> Yeah. and stand out out of the other hundreds of candidates that have been applying for the same job. You found that that service was helpful to you. There's so many ways that you can do that, right? Like find a professional service like that. Or at the time I was finishing my master's, I believe. And for a certain period of time after graduation, you can access professional services like these on campus for free. Usually for students, maybe that would look for an option like that. That would be easiest to start with campus. I would say you can go forward from there. And I believe in universities, there's the alumni office that helps you to connect yeah. with the career opportunities because they still leverage the network of alumni spread around the world. That's another super good resource. To wrap up, what advice would you give to our listeners around how to go about finding the right major when studying or finding the right job when you just started working? Based on your experience, based on your lessons learned, what is it that you want them to walk away with after they listen to our podcast today? I would say a few things here. 
here. First of all, and I, I said this before, but I think I'll, I'll say it again so it really yes. sinks in with folks. I hear that this is such a stressful time for a lot of people. It feels like time is ticking. It feels like there's a timeline or there's an expiry, but it all needs to be sorted. A lot of times that pressure, it feels real and it's imposed from the outside. It's imposed by school or society or family. I hear you and I feel you if you're feeling some of that pressure, but I would just say try to find space within it to sit with yourself and to relieve some of the pressure for yourself because at the end of the day it's your life and it's your decision and of course a lot of us too have obligations to family and community i know that's important as well but also these decisions should be things that work for you that kind of leads me to my next point is really put yourself at the center of it know yourself i've spent time sitting with myself and journaling about this stuff for me i'm clearly like really extroverted so i need to have conversations with people about it i learn about myself through other people or through learning about other people and through experiencing different things. Challenge yourself to go to that networking event. Challenge yourself even to go catch up with a friend that you haven't in a while and just see what they're up to. You can find inspiration really in any moment. But I would just say knowing yourself is a long and sometimes hard journey. So just be kind and gentle with yourself through this time, especially in a post-COVID world, especially with everything happening in the world. I would just say, yeah, just be kind and don't be afraid to ask for help and to talk to people in these things because everybody has experienced this. Thank you, Man. That's all for today. Have a wonderful rest of the morning, afternoon or evening, wherever you are. Until next time. Bye. Bye.